Because what was going on was there was this guy who was a child of God who was in a country that he wasn't supposed to be in, a country that was totally everything they did, said and thought was against Jehovah God. And we have this guy who his entire tenure that he was there has been showing that he represents and stands for God, Jehovah God. And he lived a life, no matter what was around him, we saw it in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, that he lived a life dedicated to Jehovah God. And so when stuff went down, when Babylon was shook, when the army was outside the gate, when hands was popping up right on the wall, when it was panic, Babylon, those heathens that were there said, hey, it's a guy named Daniel who the spirit of God dwells in. And so I look at myself and I say, Olu, what does, what does Babylon say about you? What does the world say about me? Am I living the type of life mirroring Daniel and the things he did such that when Babylon, who ain't got nothing to do with God, who have their own God, who have their own way of life, when Babylon is in trouble, when they see pain or, or, or hurt, or when they see, or they see no way out, do they think, you know what? It's this guy named Olu. It's this guy named Ray. It's this, it's, this, it's this girl named May. I should call them. Because of the way they live, the way they see us interact, the way they see us in Babylon, saying, knowing, oh, they're, they're here in Babylon, but they don't act like us in Babylon. They act like something different, such that when stuff go down, they can say that the spirit of a living God is inside of them. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for May 20th, 2018. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called World Engines. Daniel, who do men say you are? Pastor Olu tells us the story of King Belshazzar and how he called for Daniel when a mysterious writing appeared on the wall during one of his parties. Daniel was able to interpret the writing on the wall and warn King Belshazzar of what was going to happen since he had turned his back on God. Pastor Olu says that we as Christians should be like Daniel. That is, when the world sees strange writings on the wall, they should be calling for God's followers to interpret those writings and to reveal who God is through the way we live. Now, he'll be reading from the book of Daniel, so grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. Daniel chapter 5, we're still going through the book of Daniel. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, Nebuchadnezzar, when he had to realize finally and for the last time that God was in charge and God sent him out to a field. And in the end, at the end of chapter four, he makes this statement that now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven. All who works are truth and his ways judgment and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble or he is able to obey. So I thank the Lord for showing us through everything that he's in charge. He's the one that's running things no matter what we see or no matter what's going on. And Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that. And I pray that as we continue in our spiritual walk that we will learn that as well. Chapter 5, remember the theme for Daniel, the sovereignty of God. God is in charge. God is running everything. God is absolutely free to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. And God is sovereign. He is in charge. He's running this thing. That was the number one theme. The second theme in the book of Daniel is how God's people should live while in Babylon. And we've been looking at Daniel and he's beginning of an example as the body of Christ. What are those things we need to do 
in the world that we in. We've used the theme of world engines and our responsibility is to go out into the world and transform this kingdom of man to look more like the kingdom of God. And we do that by what we say, what we think, how we live, how we show our good works so others can glorify God. And so looking at the theme of that, we get to chapter five. So make sure we keep that in mind as we go through each one of these chapters, why it's written there. So I'm going to set the scene of Daniel chapter five. So Nebuchadnezzar was king. He got old and died eventually. And after he died, uh, one of his sons took, took the place. Then after he died, another one of his sons took the place. And they kept going and going until we were uh, around a son that was named of Nabonidus. Nabonidus. All right. So Nabonidus was king. Now, in, in Babylon, it was just terrible. Things were falling apart. They were killing kings. There were a lot of conspiracies going on. Assassinations was going on. All this stuff was happening until finally Nabonidus was actually king. Now, during that time, this group of people called the Medes and the Persians started to gain some weight. Right. And, and so they start conquering countries over here and lands over there, and it started to become a big deal. And then they set their sights to Babylon. And so what Nebuchadnezzar did, he went out, he decided he didn't want to stay in Babylon. So he lived in a city called Timah, and he let his son run and stay in Babylon. His son's name was Belshazzar. And so what happened was Belshazzar, his son, was ruling in actual Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was ruling in Timah. Persians came, the king name was Cyrus. Persians came and they came and they had a fight and they destroyed Nebuchadnezzar. They beat him. And so then they turned their sights to Babylon. They, they beat him, they beat the big Babylonians. So he was coming to Babylon to take over the city. Now, in the city, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, remember Nebuchadnezzar in chapter four, he stood out on his castle. He looked out on this great city, which I built. Well, they had built this incredible structure in Babylon. So you had the city, let's call it the city, and in the city, of course, you had houses and stuff and people and blah, 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 flags and whatnot. What they did was for the actual city of Babylon, they built a wall, huge wall. I don't know how to draw a wall here. We're just going to make a wall. There we go. And the wall went all the way around the city. And the wall had a thick top on top of it. As a matter of fact, it was so wide, the walls were so wide that four chariots, think about four cars, four SUVs could line up side by side by side and drive around with a lot of space. That's how thick those walls were. All right. So they built the wall. The gate around the wall was 40 miles around. Then they had a moat here. So they had a moat here with water all the way around. It was about 25 feet thick. And then guess what they had on top of that? You guessed it. Another wall. <laughs> That's how they were getting down. So they had another wall on top of that wall. So I drew, I drew this terribly, but that's what you got going on. So this is Babylon. Outer wall, 25 feet of water all the way around, and then another wall inside. All right. The dimensions was this. The walls were 25 feet thick. Okay, so a 25-foot thick wall. It was actually 40 feet of water and then another set of 25 uh, feet thick wall. They were high as 350 feet. So take a football field and like turn it upside down. That's how high the walls were, 350 feet. In the inner walls, they had towers. So you think about your 350 feet up. Here, on, they had towers that were sick, and they were 100 feet tall. 
these towers, all around the wall. So now we're talking about, what, 400, 500 feet in the air, we're talking. And then the guards would sit up there, and they had their weapons and whatnot. And so what happened was, what we have here is what we would call a fortified city. <laughs> it was very difficult for people to come to take Babylon. As a matter of fact, when you say, well, with all this stuff, how did they, how did they eat, what happened? There was a river, the Euphrates River used to run through the city. All right. And what they had was, and I'll just make a cutout here, that as the river came through underneath the city, they dug a, 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 a kind of a hole, and they were gating systems, and the water would come through the city through the hole. Okay? That's how we get the water in, and that's how they would live, and everything was fine. They were set up. So Belshazzar, now remember, uh, Cyrus and the Medes and the Persians, two countries came together, they're outside the gate. Of course, they can't get in, they're outside the gate. Nebuchadnezzar is dead. An army is camped around the outer, outer city. And Belshazzar, who was Nebuchadnezzar's son, who was ruling in Babylon at the time, king right now, they called him the king there, he's sitting in there with all the stuff going on outside of him. Guess what he decided to do? Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought in, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink of them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of the God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the God of gold and silver and bronze and iron and stone. But the Medes and the Persians outside the gate Ready to take over. They already beat. They already destroyed his father, the king, Nebuchadnezzar. They already taken over. It was just the city that they had to get to. And that was a big city. In the midst of all this, Belshazzar decided to throw a party. Because he was secure. He was cool. He was like, oh, man. <laughs> I don't care what's going on out there. Pop should never left me in here. I'm good. We got food. We got everything we need. And there's no way any army is getting through this. Because let's say for some reason you some kind of way figure out how to get through 25 feet. 25 feet. Think about that. That's about wider than this room. Of, 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 that's how thick the wall was. Then you got to go through 40 feet of water. Okay. Then you got to go through another 25 feet thick and fight off these guys. Like it's, it's mob. So he's cool. He's chilling. In the midst of that, that's what he was doing. He felt that he was good. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was feeling he was so good about himself. He said, you know what, this party can, we can take this party up a notch. Remember them gold vessels and cups and bowls and stuff that my grandfather had when he, when he raided Jerusalem? Let's go get them, and let's drink out of them. What? Because I'm good. Now, if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, flip, flip back real quick. Daniel chapter 1, uh, if you look at verse 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So what, what Nebuchadnezzar and what kings used to do back then to show their power, they would go find your temple, take some of your stuff, and put it in their temple. Now, he didn't use it. He didn't drink out of it. He wasn't trying to disrespect them in any kind of way like that. It was just like, yo, I'm running things right now, and he let Jerusalem do what they want to do. Okay? And so he kept them in his, in his little, in his temple there. The scripture doesn't say anything that Nebuchadnezzar used them at any time. 
But we know that he kept them there and they didn't come out, according to the scriptures, what we see until this day that Belshazzar threw this great feast. As a matter of fact, notice how I say he didn't even take all of them. He just took some of them. Now, eventually, as you keep reading through Jeremiah, he went back and got the rest of them because Israel started acting up. Judah started acting up. So he went back and killed everybody, burned down the temple and took everything out. But eventually they went back. Uh, if you go back to Ezra, it was cool what I was reading. In the book of Ezra, chapter 1, it talks about Cyrus. I don't want to do any spoiler alerts. But the king who was outside here, in Ezra chapter 1, he talks about that he returns all the vessels of gold from the temple that, that Nebuchadnezzar took. He sent them back to Jerusalem, which is kind of a spoiler alert. You know what's about to happen. But, <laughs> but right now, he's outside the gate. <laughs> all right, so Cyrus is outside the gate. These vessels, the thing that was special about these vessels is that they were dedicated to God. Okay? So when you look at it from that point of view, these vessels dedicated to God. In the book of Exodus, chapter 37, verse 6, God is telling Moses and the people how they build a tabernacle, what things that he want them to do with the tabernacle. And in chapter 37 of Exodus, verse 16, it says, and he made the vessels of pure gold that were to be on the table, its plates and its dishes for incense, its bowls and flagons, which were to pour drink offerings. So these vessels were dedicated to God, used in holy worship to God. As a matter of fact, they were used when they were giving offerings to God. And so with Belshazzar going to get these vessels that were dedicated to God, I mean, they were set aside for use solely for Jehovah God, solely for worship for Jehovah God, to use these things and to pour wine in them and continue to drink and get drunk and get drunk and do all this debauchery that was going on during this time was very, very disrespectful to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In 1 Kings, uh, the writer talks about how Solomon, when they built the second temple, the one that they actually ransacked, when they built the second temple, these uh, vessels were dedicated to God again. And so what you have uh, um, is an op the situation that Belshazzar showed callous disregard to the holy vessels of Jehovah God. In that, we had a problem. And so picture this scene, armies outside, Belshazzar is inside, there's a party going on, it's a lot of other things. There's drinking, there's drunkenness going on, there's some debauchery going on, it's just filthiness going on, all this stuff is happening inside of here. In the midst of this, they say, hey, let's step this party up. We worshiping our gods. Forget that Jehovah God. He went and got God's holy vessels that were used for God's holy sacrifices and began to use those in his debauchery. And as the Bible says, they added that they began to worship their gods. So not only was he disrespecting God, not only was he using these vessels when he shouldn't have, he began to use these vessels not to praise Jehovah God, but to praise his own gods who don't exist. So now we got double problems going on. And the Bible says in chapter five, uh, chapter five, back in Daniel, verse five, immediately. Right as they praise their gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and stone, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king, as you would think, saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave away and his knees knocked together. 
Now, your boy was scared. <laughs> he was shook. What, what's, what's, what's interesting about this, a lot of the things that we say today come from that verse. You heard the phrase, hey, you know, you see the writing on the wall? That's where that comes from. All that stuff was going on, and God dropped a hand and wrote on the wall. So we heard the phrase, the writing on the wall, it comes from that. You heard the phrase, oh, you got scared, they say the knees, your knees was knocking together, the knees were shaking? Come from that verse right there. When I say he was so scared, his knees started knocking together. That's scared. I've never been that scared about it. I started doing this. I maybe got a little of this, but if I start doing it like this, I haven't got there yet. <laughs> but your boy's scared. Think about it. You see a hand, a severed hand, just pop up. Now, they was drunk. Okay, they were partying. They were drunk. All of a sudden, a hand drops out and starts writing on the wall. Now, what happened was immediately all those drunk people got sober real quick. They say coffee will do it. Maybe an egg in your coffee. I don't know, but I've seen it on TV. But that thing sobered them up real quick. Verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 7, the king called loudly to bring the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers, and the king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me his interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Now, when I read that, I'm trying to think that maybe he didn't know that Nebuchadnezzar was dead already or was captured because Nebuchadnezzar was the king. His son was Belteshazzar, who was running Babylon, so that's two. He said, whoever tells this interpretation will be the third best ruler, so I don't know if he knew that or not. And then, of course, the king's wise men came. We've seen this before, but they could not read the writing or make known the king's interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, verse 9, and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. Enter the world engine. Verse 13, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords came to the banqueting hall, the king declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans and astrologers. Why? Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and to solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. I like that. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. When I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is, what does Babylon say about Olu? Because what was going on was, there was this guy who was a child of God, who was in a country that he wasn't supposed to be in, a country that was totally, everything they did, said, and thought was against Jehovah God. And we had this guy who, his entire tenure that he was there has been showing that he represents and stands for God, Jehovah God. And he lived a life, no matter what was around him, we saw it in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, that he lived a life dedicated to Jehovah God. And so when stuff went down, when Babylon was shook, when the army was outside the gate, when hands was popping up right on the wall, when it was panic, Babylon, those heathens that were there said, hey, there's a guy named Daniel who the spirit of God dwells in. And so I look at myself and I say, Olu, what does, what does Babylon say about you? What does the world say about me? Am I living the type of life mirroring Daniel and the things he did such that when Babylon, who ain't got nothing to do with God, 
who have their own God, who have their own way of life. When Babylon is in trouble, when they see pain or, or, or hurt, or when they see, but they see no way out, do they think, you know what? It's this guy named Olu. It's this guy named Ray. You know, it's, this, it's, this, it's this girl named May. I should call them. Because of the way they live, the way they see us interact, the way they see us in Babylon, saying, knowing, oh, they're, they're here in Babylon, but they don't act like us in Babylon. They act like something different, such that when stuff go down, they can say that the spirit of a living God is inside of them. Look at what else it said. It says that light, understanding, and wisdom was found in him. Now, this is the queen. I don't even know if she met Daniel. Light, understanding, and wisdom. And so I begin to think, as world engines, what does the world see in us? What do they say about us? And when or do they ever reach out to us? Because that's what we should be. We should be living a life so holy, so set apart, so different. We should be representing God, his eyes, his hands, his feet, his thoughts, we should be representing so much that even those people who have nothing to do with God, even those people who are opposite of everything that God stands for, they know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we, 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 we need to talk to them or we should call them because they are people whose spirit of God lives in them. They are people of understanding, of light and wisdom. I like how it says excellent. Uh, she went on to say that um, because of an excellent spirit. And I wonder, do I have an excellent spirit? It's my spirit excellent. You think about excellence, you think about always achieving to the best that it can be. You know, this is, this is where I could do something and get away with it, but I'm going to do it even better. Here's the bare minimum of what I can do. But she didn't say that. And the thing about Daniel, he does the bare minimum of spirit. No, excellence in spirit. That means that I'm giving 100, you heard the phrase, giving 110% effort in everything I do, be it going to work, be it sweeping the floor, be it I'm washing the dishes, be it I'm talking to somebody about Christ, be it if I'm helping somebody, I'm trying to do the best of my ability. Why? Because of the spirit of excellence that I should have while I'm in Babylon. It says that only the spirit of excellence, but of knowledge and understanding. And so the Bible tells me, again, looking at the theme, how am I supposed to live as a child of God? in Babylon. I should be living such that when it comes to knowledge, people know they can come to me. I mean, I'm smart. That means I've studied. Now, the thing about Daniel, not only did he study the word of God, he studied science, he studied math, he studied a lot of different things that he was studying. But he did that in the spirit of excellence such that he was at a position where people could go to him. And I think about that in my job. And as I live and as I interact with people, do I do so with the pursuit of excellence in knowledge also. Because we look at the world, we see everything that's going on in the world, and we think, wow, why are they doing that? Why is this going on? You know, why, why is this happening? Why don't they? And I look at it as the body of Christ. We should be the ones that people are coming to. We had another school shooting this week. And so there we go. Now we're going to start the debates again. No guns. We need our guns. You can't take our guns. And I, and I, and I love and I watch how that it always turns to that. And I'm thinking, how about the people who, who are dying? Why are we even discussing that? Like, what can we do? And when we look at that, and I know it's a complex issue, but I truly believe that the word of God has the answer, 
and that God's people once lined up with the word of God because we have the Holy Spirit of God, like she said about Daniel. We have the Holy Spirit of God that we have the answer or the solution to how to handle these situations. And so my question is, where is the body of Christ in these discussions? Where are the knowledgeable men of knowledge, excellent world engines out there leading the conversation, out there leading that this is what we need to do? I don't see it. I don't see it in the body of Christ. And I'm wondering where the Daniels are, not just in that topic, but other topics, too. It says that he had excellence in spirit. I mean, everything he did, he did to the best of his ability. He tried to overachieve in everything he did. He had knowledge. And the Bible says understanding. We know understanding is the ability to apply that knowledge that you have there. To interpret dreams, to explain riddles, and I like that last one, to solve problems. We have the opportunity as the body of Christ to actually be in the world solving problems. We have that. Why? Because we have the spirit of Jehovah God inside of us. God did not create us and save us for us to just continue to come to church, do our Bible verses, sing some songs, and then go back in the world and raise our children, and that's it. We have a responsibility to interact in Babylon. That's a requirement. And so every opportunity that we have, we should use that opportunity to interact in Babylon such that, the Bible says it, so they may see your good works. And what happens after that? Glorify your father, which is in heaven, because that's what it's all about. I was in Denver, I think it was uh, two weeks ago, and I got out of work. When I'm out of town, I, I, I stay and work as late as I can, then go get something to eat and go right to the hotel. And so uh, I got off of work. It was late. I went to um, Cheesecake Factory because that's why I always go in Denver. And I always get the exact same thing, the Jamaican black pepper, chicken, and shrimp. And then I get brown rice. And I don't eat all the rice. I cut the rice in half. But, if, but then I eat all the plantains, which is, what are you doing? <laughs> you, you, just, you just forgot. You, you might as well eat all the rice because you're eating all the plantains. Anywho, uh, uh, so I got that. I'm watching the game. So NBA on the playoffs. I'm watching on my phone. I finished eating, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to sit here. I got nothing else to do. So I watched the entire game sitting there at the seat, which means I ate a lot of wheat bread because he kept bringing it out and I kept eating, which is not the topic now, but I'm just throwing it out. Anyway, so I sit there and watch the entire game. I watch, uh, it was on TNT, so I watch, uh, and remember, I'm two hours back, so it's still early. Uh, it was the last game. So I'm watching, you know, uh, Ernie and Charles and Shaq and Kennedy Jet Smith doing their analysis after the game. So I'm watching, I'm just sitting there. And then normally I would have ate and left, but I didn't. I sat there through the whole time. Got out, finally finished, got up, paid my bill, went to the car. As I went to the car, I was parked on the side of the road, started the car, ran to pull off. This guy came and kind of like, I saw him out my peripheral. He came like to the window like this. Like he was trying to get my attention. I was like, oh my goodness. So I did it. I said, okay, I'm gonna make contact. Made contact with him. He was like, hey, hey brother, hey brother. So I poured it down just a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, what's up, man? He said, hey, man, listen, I'm, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, I'm in Denver. I'm trying to, I got to get on the bus. I just need some food. You got some money for some food. So I was like, okay. I said, no, I said, actually, I, I don't, man. I, I really didn't. I just had the card. I said, I said, but if you want some food, <laughs> if you want some food, I'll take it right now on the street to get you some food. <laughs> no, he don't want no food. And so brother was like, okay, great. I said, oh, <laughs> okay. He's hungry. <laughs> Anyway, so went down, 
He said, I want to go to 7-Eleven to get something. I said, let's, let's go to a sandwich shop. So we went to a sandwich shop because I said, here's an opportunity. It's a reason that God had me sitting in this store the entire time, watching the entire game. Two hours after the game off, I'm still sitting there. I just get to the car, and this guy just happens to come. I said, no, nah, this is not what it is. This is an opportunity. God wants me to be a world engine. Took him to the sandwich shop. We ate, and we talked, and I started talking to him. So the whole time he's talking, I'm not listening to what he's saying, which is bad. I'm thinking, okay, how can I bring up Christ? 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 And I'm listening with, okay, yep, nope, can't use that, can't use that. Oh, can't use that, can't use that. So I'm sitting there. I'm talking back for him, but I'm trying to find it. And then finally he says something that his mom just died. I'm like, bam, got him. And so I use that opportunity to talk about, you know, peace. And how peace only comes through Christ and so on and so forth. And I told him, he said, oh, I'm so thankful, man, you know, that you came to help me. He was an older guy. He said, yeah, yeah. And I say, you know, the reason why I'm helping you is only because that's what Christ told me to do. What? And I said, got him. And so I use that to talk about, as a Christian, what God tells us to do to help people. We had just had the message. I think we had just had the message about going out into the world and, and helping people and our responsibility as the body of Christ. And so I used that opportunity to do that. And I, we didn't pray to send us prayer. He said he was already saved. He said he loved God. You know, I'm not going to fight with a man. No, you ain't saved. You know, so we had that conversation. But I was able to sow the seed. I said, we talk about God. And I told him, I said, listen, now when you leave us, I want you to remember why this happened. Because God loves you. He died for you. And I sat there and I thought as I was leaving, how God put that all together. You know, I wasn't supposed to sit there. I was in Cheesecake Factory for about four and a half hours. <laughs> no, one, no one stays in that restaurant that long. You know what I'm saying? By yourself. You know what I'm saying? By yourself. Yeah, we, we do, but not by yourself. <laughs> but I thank God for that. And, and the reason I'm saying it is that because... In our world, and we shared a lot, he had a lot of things I want to say, he went through some other issues and we talked about them, but I was able to show him solutions through scripture. I was able to show him things and answer his questions and talk about some problems that he had, responding to them through the Bible. And I believe that that is what God wants us to do. And I thank God for the opportunity, and I think that as the body of Christ, we should be looking for more opportunities to do that. I still get a little shook when it's time, you know what I'm saying? I start thinking, okay, well, now I'm going to bring this up. Man, I, know, I mean, I didn't been to Bible schools. I didn't took Greek. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't apologetics class, you know. But, some, but when you're in that moment, sometimes it's like, oh, man, what am I supposed to say? Okay, how do I say this? How do I, how do I bring this out? How do I work this? I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to sound like a fanatic. You know, all those thoughts come, and you just got to be like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I'm just going to say Jesus. And it's crazy. When you say the name Jesus, all of a sudden, all that stuff just go away because you don't already put it out there. It's already there. And, you know, you heard it say there's power in the name. There's power in the name of Jesus. And so in those times that we have, make sure that we do that. Daniel has lived his life such that not only did he do that, he lived his life such that the queen, the people was like, hey, we shook right now. We don't know what's going on. Let's call that man Daniel. So the question I ask, how does Bab what does Babylon say about us? And then how does Babylon act around us? I thought about that because, you know, we talk about we're supposed to be Christ. And I started thinking, how does the world act when Christ is around? You know, the Bible says, and what I thought was interesting here in Daniel chapter 5, remember he had called all the, the princes and all the leaders and the Chaldeans, all the people were there at the party. But the Bible says that Daniel was not there. He was not there. When the world throws a, the wild parties, the people of God aren't invited. They, shouldn't, they aren't invited because of we are of the light and then that is of the darkness. 
And so we have to look and say, what kind of life am I living? Because we know that darkness runs from light. Our values, the things that we live for, the things that we stand for, the things that we represent should be oozing out of us so much that it should irritate those who have chosen to live in blatant debauchery, who have chosen to live in blatant, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, wild, crazy, whatever. Our presence should irritate them, not because we are irritable. Because the Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. And you know what salt does. When there's a wound, when there's a cut, when you put salt in it, what happens? It burns. It heals it. But before it heals it, it starts to burn. It's an irritant there. And so we're irritant because of where we are and who we are and whose kingdom we belong to. And so a good example of how I'm representing God in Babylon is how does Babylon respond to me? Am I invited to? Am I always there in the midst of debauchery? I'm not saying my, my, my family not saved so I can't go to their house. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when blatant debauchery is going on, when blatant sin is going on, when people are there and there's stuff that's going on that's totally against the Bible, and I'm in the midst of that, how are they treating me, and what is the atmosphere around that? Is it easy for me to just walk into a place that's just full of sin and full of nothingness and wrongness is going on. And everybody, hey, Ola, what's up? I'm here. Oh, here. Yeah, boy, come get some of this. Or is it a situation where Olu walks in or Ola walks in or Jaden walks into a situation where stuff ain't right, stuff ain't 100, stuff ain't totally biblical. There's a little, ooh, okay. Oh, uh, well, you know. The question is, they knew, hey, something ain't right right now, so we, we don't invite Daniel. But when stuff went down, oh, we need to go get Daniel. He needs to be here now because of his excellent spirit, because of his knowledge, because of his understanding, because of the light that was in him, and because wisdom was found in him. Salt impedes corruption, yes, but it also irritates. Light exposes darkness and corruption. And so as a world engine, I am supposed to, when I step into a situation of darkness, I'm supposed to exude so much light that it blinds the darkness such that the darkness has to leave. That's how I'm supposed to live. That's how I'm supposed to be. Does that mean I'm walking around in the name of Jesus and hitting people upside the head in Bibles? Is what I go? That's, that's not necessarily, that's not what that means. Actually, don't do that. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> but what it means is, though, my demeanor is such that the Holy Spirit is so evident in me that the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. And you hear people say, well, Jesus ate with sinners. Yes, he did. So you want to go eat with the heathen, you can do that. And the Bible doesn't say Jesus went out partying with sinners. He didn't say that he went out and uh, partaking with what the sinners was doing. He said he ate with them. Okay, so that means that well, I'm not supposed to, you know, stay away from them or don't be around them. But the Bible says when I am there, when Jesus was eating with the sinner, what was he doing? He was bringing the word. He was being who he is, God in the midst of sinners. So if you want to use that verse to say, well, Jesus ate with sinners, so I can go, okay, go be God. Act like God, think like God, talk like God, move like God, look like God in the midst of the sinners then you got permission. Not older permission, you got the word's permission. Because sometimes people have to use that as a, well, you know, I'm just, you know, Jesus ate with sinners, so, you know, I'm going to just, no, okay, great. Go be God in the midst of sinners. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what the Bible says we are. We are world engines. We are supposed to be God's hands and feet. And so it should be that situation when we get there. We're at a party. 
for one of our children, teens, it's very generic, and, and at the party for one of our children's teams, the parents were all in one area, and the kids were all in the area, and there was a couple of people who claimed to be Christian on the team. And there was an open bar there, and somebody was making whatever, whatever's over there. And I came in because I came late because I was at church, so I came late. And I walked in, and I had on my tie on. It was funny. I walked in, and this guy who'd been giving me kind of a hard time, just a little bit. I don't know why. It was kind of a little hard time. I don't know what it is. I walked in, hey, pastor, can I make you a drink? Real loud, like too loud, like way too loud. Like it, it won't even own that level. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hmm. No, nah, man, I'm good. Didn't, didn't say nothing. In the name of Jesus. I, no, I was like, I'm good. Right? Grab the water, start eating, whatever, whatever, whatever. So things start going on. We, we, we still going. And then all of a sudden, everybody not drinking. It's not like, you know, everybody's running around drinking and everything. It's just some people are sipping on something and some aren't. Couple minutes pass, he comes back. Hey, pastor. Now, he's never called me pastor before. I've never told these people I was a pastor for church. I've never said anything like that. We never had this conversation. So I don't know how I got out. Not that I'm hiding it, but it, we never had this conversation. Hey, pastor, you sure I can't make you something? I got some good stuff. Say, no, man, I'm good. Blah, 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 blah. Five minutes later. So let me ask you something. I said, okay, here we go. So this is something that's going on. So he got one more time to say something sideways, and then I'm just going to have to come with it. Because why are you so interested? Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Okay? So, so can you taste it? Can you just take a sip? Or is that wrong too? I said, what's wrong? I didn't, I, didn't, I, said, I didn't say anything was wrong. I just said, I didn't want anything right now. I'm, I'm good. That's all. No, but I'm saying, like, so it's, it's your, it's your religion. You can't. I said, no, man. I just, I'm good. I got my water. Eating some hamburgers. I'm good. <laughs> so I was like, if he come back again, that was the third time. So he come back again, we're going to have it. We're going to have a conversation. What's going on with you, man? What do you think about Jesus? We're just going to go straight to it in front of all these people. But he stopped after that. And the reason I said it was, was a couple of people there were supposed to be Christian. They go to church. Or like, they invite us to church, invite us to other people to church. I left because I had to go to Denver. What happened after that is this girl, who was supposed to be Christian, got dead drunk. Dead drunk. Such that she's in the corner fighting with her husband, like physically. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, sloppy, falling over herself, that he has to go ask somebody else, help me take my wife to the car. So this was going on there, and so a couple of people got drunk too, not necessarily, not saved anything. A couple got drunk, just straight drunk too, such that two days later, one of the girls went to another one of the girls, ladies, and said, hey, I hope I didn't say anything crazy last night. I didn't. I hope I did. No, no, you was good. You was just, like, she was, like, passed out on the floor. This is at a kid's party, by the way, which is a whole other situation. She said, oh, wow, because I'm so embarrassed. I never wanted Melissa to see me like that. Like, oh, I wonder what Melissa thought. Now. Everybody was in there doing whatever. The fact that this girl, something about Melissa, how Melissa lived her life, that she said she was ashamed to be passed out drunk in front of Melissa. Now, Melissa ain't never walked in there with no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was something, and yeah, I'm bragging my wife, but it's something about how she lived her life, even in Babylon. Now, it wasn't that, oh, Lucy, everybody put the drinks away. You know, it, it was, that wasn't even the scenario. But it was something that how she lived her life such that Babylon saw. And such that Babylon says felt a certain way when she was around. And I say that to say that regardless of what it is, we should be living a life such that Babylon knows that there's something different. 
Now, people have come to Melissa from time to time. She's like, I don't know why they're telling me, but they told me all these problems and all this. It's because of how you live your life. And we are all experienced at that time. People come and telling us stuff, pray for me, who are not even saved or don't even know. It never hurts them to say pray before in their life, but they say stuff like that, pray for me. There's a reason why that, because of who we are. What we need to do is by the Christ is just pull that off so much. Pull, just pull a shade off so that the light of Christ exuberates in everything we do, we say, and we think. In the midst of that, what was going on outside, and fast forward, it was about to be over. Cyrus and the Medes and the Persian, they figured out how to get into the city. What they did was they dug a trench here around the Euphrates River and redirected the water this way. And what happened was this dried up. So the river dried up. And they was out there very patient. And then the river dried, the river dried, such that the water, which of course you couldn't go underwater with horses and chariots and stuff, hold your breath with a horse. It dried all the way up. So they just went under the gate, walked down the dry riverbed, all the way in, under one gate, under the other gate, and they came in. And the Bible says that that night, after all this going on, and I'll finish this next week, but that night, Belshazzar died. Hard times, pain, suffering, impendent judgment of God was outside the gate. And during that time, they had enough sense to call Daniel. As a body of Christ, we don't know what's next for those people that we're around. Daniel came in, and we'll get into it in a couple of weeks from now, what he did when he walked in. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to those people who God has placed us around. At school, at our job, at work, our family members, in the grocery store, people we see in and out. We don't know what's going to happen to them tomorrow. We don't know if there's a Persian army outside <laughs> the gates. And then the last time they have an opportunity to hear from God, the last time they have an opportunity to see God is us. So we need to make sure that we take advantage of every opportunity that God places us in to be that. Live a life that we are excellent in spirit. Live a life of knowledge and understanding. Live a life such that people will say or people will know, and not just so people will say it, but we have the answers. The Bible says that Daniel had the ability to solve problems. That's what the queen said. He has the ability to solve problems. So we have the answer, and so let us be the answer to Babylon. Not so we can brag, oh, look at me. You will never catch me passed out drunk at a party. Not so we can be like, well, I'm holy, and when I walk in the room, yes, address me as pastor. It's about time you people realize it. No, 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 no. Just because we have the answer, and the reason why I'm here is to be a world engine and transform Babylon to be like the kingdom of God. Father, we love you. God, we pray, God, that we, as the body of Christ, will live a life such that the world even sees our excellence in spirit. The world even sees our wisdom from the word, our understanding from the word, our knowledge of the word, God, and the world sees you through us. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes this week and that each of one of us will be able to come back next week with a testimony of how we were world engines, God. How we just said your name. How we just represented you. How we use an opportunity of the people that you put in our paths to be light, to be salt, such that we can transform their lives through your spirit from being a member of the kingdom of Babylon to be a member of the kingdom of God. I pray God for wisdom, 
pray God for blessings. Pray God for, for boldness as we transform the world for you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.